Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going today? Doing all right, Ben. How are you? Starting June 1st, Bet Online will serve as a title sponsor for Armchair as well as our show. This will open up the possibility to develop merchandise lines as well as potentially host live events once we re- once we return to a semblance of normalcy. In addition to Bet Online coming aboard, Armchair will now serve as the host network for the world's lar- largest skateboarding podcast, The Nine Club. Hosted by professional skaters Chris Roberts and Kelly Hart, The Nine Club talks every week with the biggest names in skating. They're on social media at The Nine Club. To see more, search Armchair Media wherever you get your pods. Also, check us out on Armchair's website, armchairmedianetwork.com, and their socials at Armchair Media. Armchair Media, those who can do, those who don't can't. Take a seat. I'm all right, and before we get into our topic today, we have some news to discuss. First and foremost, that the NBA draft date has finally been set, at least tentatively. Um, as of right now, the NBA draft will be held on October 15th, and the draft lottery will be held on August 25th. So we have a good three, four months more of 2020 draft content and 2020 draft to think about. Yeah, at least at this point with the NBA seems to be coming back in some capacity and there's finally some structure being being kind of understood and we have a framework for a, a timeline for the NBA draft. So it's it, it, it still gets to be seen what the draft process is going to look like really, but at least we have set dates now to, to look forward to. Yeah, it's not at all uh, cruel that, that this is the draft that we get a four-month extension yeah. of the cycle on. Um, but yeah, I mean... Yeah, we'll figure it out. And then um, the other piece of news, of course, just dropped this morning. We're recording this on on Friday, June 5th, that Oklahoma State has been barred from uh, postseason play for the 2020-2021 college basketball season, which is relevant because the uh, future number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham, is slated to go to Oklahoma State. Um, So remains to be seen – uh, if he'll honor that commitment, there are a lot of, um, you know, things factoring into that, like the fact that Cade's brother is a coach at Oklahoma State. But I mean, I, we could, I think, we could see him, uh, you know, switch and go to the G League. I, I at this point, I kind of doubt that he would go to another college. But um, yeah, I mean, you'd have to think the G League is at least more on his radar now than um, than it was before. 
Uh, and that would be pretty nuts if Cade winds up in the G League. I, I mean, I personally don't want to see it. Um, I want to see him as the star of the show. I want I want to have him in in like the Bart database so that we have his ridiculous season, um, just like for historical purposes. Uh, I think like only having ten to twelve games of Cade instead of thirty would really stink. Um, but yeah, this is. I mean, this is it's. It sucks for just fans of basketball. The NCAA again punishing kids who had nothing to do with whatever whatever infraction they're punishing this time. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's just awful uh, on every count. Um, and curious to see what Cade does, but uh, excited to watch him wherever he is next year. It will be yeah. fun. And there was a report that came out this morning. I believe it was Jeff Goodman that reported that he declined a pretty lucrative G League contract prior. So I'm not sure if that'll impact his decision to maybe rethink that decision and go to the G League or how much a postseason run is really going to impact him. But like like Max said, I, I, I mean, I hope wherever Cade ends up, it is a place that, where we can get as much Cade Cunningham as possible because... I really need some more new Cade Cunningham games in my life after all the 2020 stuff. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to hear a little more in depth on Cade Cunningham, we have we have a lot to talk about today, so we're not going to. But go back to episode four with Ross Homan, our 2021 preview, where we talked about uh, the whole the whole class, but but obviously ha- had a lot of Cade content in there because he's a, a very very special prospect. All right, so let's get into our so our actual topic today, which is Max and I both made median outcome boards. So we both ranked 1 through 30 based on if we were only drafting for median outcome. And the draft is obviously an exercise in searching for stars and shooting for upside. But this is an interesting exercise to look at the draft and look at rankings through a different lens and looking which prospects still still can provide uh, surplus value even if they aren't able to hit their ultimate ceilings and which ones aren't able to provide value if they aren't able to hit that ceiling and and thus and thus would rank lower on a board that doesn't take upside into account so max why don't we get started with yeah so we we did this separately we have not seen each other's boards yet um so i mean we're gonna have ben's live reaction to mine and vice versa um in my tier one i have three guys uh it's two guys from my normal tier one and one guy from my normal tier two. Um, however, the the guy from tier two is actually ranked first for me. Um, I, so I have one Onyeka Kongwu, two Killian Hayes, and three Anthony Edwards. Uh, what do you have in your tier one, Ben? Okay, I have five in my tier one. I have I, I have three from my normal tier one and two from my normal tier two. So first. I, I have I have Killian Hayes, Onyeka, Kongwu, Devin Vassell, Anthony Edwards, and Lamelo Ball in my tier. So a bit more extended, but same three guys as as you right there. So I think yeah. the obvious place to start is Onyeka, who both of us have moved up significantly from our actual boards, in which both of us are not. I wouldn't say crazy low, but not super high on Onyeka, just given the lack of utility and real upside a big man that can have in the NBA today isn't really special. But when you're talking about median outcome, I think Onyeka is probably, I mean, I had Killian Hayes ahead. Um, Onyeka or Hayes for me is just the safest bet to be a positive NBA player. Even if he isn't able to hit an ultimate ceiling outcome where he's a really valuable big, I mean, just with his ability to be a versatile pick and roll defender and play finish on offense, I think that was a pretty easy tier one inclusion with him. Yeah, I should have said this at the start, but my my tier one is I'm thinking of them as like uh, 
plus starter types. Uh, and the reason I have Onyeka one is, yeah, like no matter what defensive system he finds himself in, I think he'll be good. Um, I mean, I think he's going to come into the league as probably one of the better role men in the league. But I think just at, at his median, you know, he's probably not a, a volume post-scorer. He's probably not a volume face-up scorer. Uh, probably is like doesn't become anything special as a shooter. Maybe, you know, he's hitting, you know, spot-ups. He's hitting corner threes. But, I mean, no, just like not a game-changing offensive player by any means. Like a good role man has, has value, but not a crazy amount. And then I think something that we've definitely talked about before is, is that like he's not the brilliant – mind i think that you would need to be like a dominant defender but i think he's a very very you know scheme versatile defender that will have a lot of value no matter what um and will be able to play in big moments so it's just like i, I would be very surprised if onyeka kongu is not a good nba player so he rises for me from six to one it's just thinking that though definitely the higher end outcomes for onyeka kongu are a bit farther fetched and i mean the, the high end not even necessarily being that high because I don't, I don't think that like he's an all defense big, like quite yeah. at that level. I don't think that he's like a star level scorer or, or like or like special shooter or or um you know offensive hub in the way that we've we've discussed. Like th- that's the only way that a big man can really get to ridiculous levels of offensive impact is by being like a really all- ridiculous all time level shooter or offensive hub as a passer. Uh, I don't think that's the case for him. But I'd just be I'd be so surprised if he's not a very good player. I mean, yeah, the next guy we both had is is like I said, Killian Hayes. So I think like a, a big reason for me putting him here is just being confident in his overall defensive value, no matter really what he does uh, with his off with with the with the pull up shooting and with the self creation and with his maybe right hand development and more athletic improvement. I mean, no matter where that goes, and at his median, he's likely not someone who ends up being a pretty, like a pretty defense creator, going to be a good shooter, not a great shooter, still going to add a lot of value with his, with his playmaking, and is probably going to be a pretty impactful defender, especially as a team defender. And still at six foot five, someone who can play on and off the ball, someone who, like, like I said, isn't a star, isn't a star, but is definitely a positive starter. And just somebody who is again like one of the reasons he's so high for for both of us in, in on our actual boards is that even if he doesn't manage to hit his high end outcomes, which he definitely has and which he has shown to have throughout these this season with with improved pull up and athletic and his athletic abilities, he's still going to be a valuable player even if he can't hit that. Yeah, I mean, on top of it, like I think the defense definitely gives him like a you know, level of floor impact that's nice. But I mean, I just buy him as like a good pick and roll player. Maybe, you know, if if he doesn't develop the right hand a lot, if the pull-up only ends up being okay, like he'll probably only be a fine pick and roll player. But like, I mean, I, I just think, like I just buy him enough as a pick and roll player that that I, you know, I kind of think that that Killian is a pretty good bet to be to be a starting a starting lead guard. I mean, the problem definitely comes if, if like, I mean, I guess if if he never really figures out the shot at like an adequate level, which seems really unlikely, but I guess it, it I mean it is possible. I think that's probably lower than his median outcome for sure. I mean, if he really has no offhand development, I, he will be pretty limited. But I mean, still, even even with all those things accounted for, I think that like with the defensive floor, with the expectation that he'll that he'll shoot at a pretty good level, um, he just seems like like a really solid bet yeah. to be plus starter type. Yeah. And as we talked about, I mean, over and over, the combination of all the things he does well at the moment, I mean, 
combined with his age and the rapid development curve he's been on over the last couple of years just boosts that that value. So. Yeah, I mean, I think the inclusion that a lot of people are going to be a little surprised by for both, I think you had him tier one as well, is Anthony Edwards. Um, yeah. But I, I'm guessing for you, I mean, this is the thought process for me, um, that it's, it's back to the idea that you've definitely brought up before, that Anthony Edwards has so many different avenues to being a valuable player. Yeah. And so while while like a guy who I think is widely considered more of a boomer bust type, um, you know, would be a surprising inclusion here. I just think there are so many avenues to Anthony Edwards being like a plus starter where it's, you know, he starts trying on defense all the time or, you know, he just becomes a really good uh, off the catch shooter because I mean, something that I've, I've definitely focused on in the past is how good of an off ball player he can be. Um you know, if, if just, I mean, just the shot making alone, if, if it's kind of where we expect it to be, will be highly valuable. So there are just so many yeah. ways for Anthony Edwards to turn into a valuable player. And maybe it's in a way that, that's kind of difficult from a team building perspective. But I just think that like in terms of, in terms of at least regular season value, which I think is kind of what, what I was going for with this, that Anthony Edwards is, is pretty high uh, in this class. Yeah, and as we've talked about plenty on this podcast, and I'm going to reiterate because it's so important, true boomer bust players really are rare and not as common as we think. Like Anthony Edwards is, for all his flaws, is is not a boomer bust player because he has so a traditional boomer bust player with a high ceiling but a low floor because he really does have so many avenues to succeed. I mean, my thinking was like that, mostly just for his scalability and his fit as an off-ball guy with his cutting and like I said I mean he has bad off-ball habits like like the fact that he dribbles after every after every off-screen action but again those are habits that are teachable and especially in a system where he's never really had to play off the ball in his career I mean at Holy Spirit and in Atlanta Express in high school Georgia he had the keys to the offense he's always had the keys to the offense and he's never really been instructed to play off the ball and he's never had to do any of these little things to stay on the floor, get minutes to have to to earn usage. And I think, again, just obviously I don't have any insight into this, but listening to him talk, I mean, he seems like someone who is very aware of himself and insightful. So I have faith in him, like as much faith as I can have without having a lot of intel um, of him being willing to accept a different role. And I think his, I mean, besides that, I mean, it's clear that with his, with his pure athletic tools, he has the ability to do so. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways, like Max initially started this, that that Edwards can end up hitting an outcome that is below a star, but still a, a valuable piece on on a good team. Yeah, without without going like too off the rails, uh, I worry a little bit because I mean, I think he's probably the favorite to be the number one overall pick, and the gifted usage thing is would, would be like a little bit of a concern for me yeah um, no, no doubt <laughs> yeah unless i guess he, unless he's drafted by like the warriors um so the two guys that you had in your first tier that i did not have were vassell and lamello uh you want to you want to talk a little bit yeah. about why they were included for you in tier one and is your, yeah. is your tier one the, the same as mine is it like plus starters yes but probably not as firm like, like plus starters or just like or guys who are definitely going to be starters on good teams. But so, uh-huh. yeah, pretty much. So, so Lamelo was one I wavered on for quite a bit. I, I I wasn't sure. He's he's the last guy in my tier 
in my tier one, and I was really close to putting him in tier two because there's definitely the concerns with one, with with the obvious areas of improvement, that, that being physicality, and and the pull up shooting, and if he can, and, and defense, of course, and, and if he can't improve in those areas, how much value can he really add without a lot of usage? But I just come back to the size and the playmaking, and at his median, he's probably not going to be someone who's a super high level pull up shooter still going to have defensive struggles and probably still going to have those physical struggles. But again, another guy who, if he can improve like in any of those areas in at a decent amount, which assuming at his meeting, he probably will. He's a guy who's going to be someone who could add, add value off the ball. And if he improves the jumper, someone who should be able to play off the ball, who again, I believe is a better off ball player than he generally gets credit for just because it's never really a thing he's been asked or had to do at all. Yeah. Lamelo is, is one that I could go either way on, and I wasn't sure on. Vassell is someone I feel more strongly about having in this tier, just because one, I'm a big believer in the defense. Um, just the value his team defense is going to bring gives him a place in a rotation. I'm pretty confident in. And then in his median, he's probably not going to be the level of difficult shot maker that I believe he could hit at the ceiling. But he's going to be someone who's reliable on spot ups. Hopefully, can attack a closeout. And then hit the occasional pull up, and not someone who's really exceptional at it, but someone who does it time to time, and someone who can, because of that, has some utility as a passer, but not someone who's any sort of like reliable creator. But yeah, I mean, I feel just like with the scarcity of wings and like his defense and the shooting, and hopefully some ancillary shot creation he can bring, I have confidence in him being a positive starter. Yeah, Lamelo was the one that was kind of interesting to me because. Um, thinking about like, I mean, we've talked to the linking role guys for Halliburton and Denny, but not for Lamelo. And I think that like, I mean, much like his brother, like a kind of like middle of the pack outcome for him is filling some sort of linking role. Um, but ultimately I, I, I left him out of my tier one because I, I don't know that like at his median, he, I think he's probably a pretty harmful defender and I'm just like not confident in him as as a finisher or shooter at that at, like at the median either to really be all that, um, like I don't know a plus starter like may, like plus plus rotation or like starter maybe but I'm just a little a little more skeptical of him um like being at a really high level um for just like a middle of the pack outcome for him and then for Devin Vassell um. I mean, I, I have him high in the next tier, but just for, for tier one, a bit a bit of concern that, like, he's only, like, a, a solid spot-up shooter, that the, the high-level shot-making is not there, that in, a, in certain defensive schemes he's not enabled to generate the most um, defensive impact because, because of his need to, to really be doing that off the ball. Um, just to, I mean, the without the the shot making that a lot of his potential for passing impact is kind of muted um i think all these things just come together to to make him a little less safe than most people would think and i mean i think i think it's something that you would agree with as well that he's probably less of a a floor guy than some people make him out to be and more of a an interesting high-end outcome guy but but i mean nonetheless i'm i'm pretty confident in him as like a starter plus rotation type just a little a little more unsure of him as just a really solid bet to be a plus starter on account of just, I, I don't think any one, I don't think he has any one glaring flaw, but just a, a bunch. I mean, it kind of the inverse of Edwards in that, like 
Edwards has a bunch of different avenues to be good. I think there are a bunch of different ways that Vassell could be derailed from being a, like a really plus starter. But I mean, I, I still, I still have him like, you know, rising a bit for the median outcome board. Yeah. I mean, I feel similarly just, uh, and again, I think our feelings aren't that far apart um, on either of these guys. So I think with that, are we, are we good to move on to our tier two? Sure. Um, my tier two then um, is it starts with Lamelo, uh, who, who I don't think we need to you know talk about anymore. Uh, then it, he's followed by Tyrese Maxey, Devin Vassell, Isaac Kokoro, and Cole Anthony. Um, so uh, Lamelo and, and Vassell. Uh, I mean, I, I think uh, as I conveyed, just a, l- a little bit lower on on their mid level outcomes. But um, you're still pretty confident in them as like starter level players, uh, and I should add this this um th- this tier for me is like starter level slash positive rotation. Um, so so expecting to, them to be pretty solid NBA players. Um, I guess for for Maxi and Cole are like fairly similar in that I see them as like combo guards pretty confident in both of them as shooters, uh, more confident in Maxi as a point of attack defender. But honestly, like I've, I've risen a little bit on Cole as a point of attack defender. Like I, he's not bottom of the barrel for, for these lottery guards. Like he's, he's actually okay. Um, like, like definitely has footwork issues. He needs to clean up in, in pick and roll particularly, but like not, not too bad laterally, like does, does try a fair amount. And then of course, I mean, we, we like him as a, as an off ball defender. Uh, just, I mean, the problem for the NBA projection on defensive end is, is definitely size and, and, and length. I mean, length is probably a bigger deal than size. Um, but just fairly confident in Cole as, you know, in the, in the right context, uh, starting guard, you know, I think like we talked about with PD, like probably needs like a jumbo creator next to him. But I mean, I, I'd be fairly surprised if at the very least he's not like a, a really good guard off the bench. Um, just as a guy who, who is a, is a pretty impressive self creator and then has some, you know, can get by at least defensively. And then Maxi, I mean, a fairly, fairly similar story, very confident in him as like a two position guard defender, uh, pr- pretty confident in the shot. Um, as we talked about with PD, uh, really like him as a slasher. Just, I mean, I think, I think he's a starting guard, uh, you know, may, maybe like not, not the highest value archetype by any means, probably the lowest, but uh, just, I'd be fairly surprised if Maxi is not like a solid NBA player. Yeah. At Maxi's median, I think he's probably not going to be like the highest level of, of shooter that he can reach, but he's still going to be a positive enough one as a catch and shoot guy. And he should be able to hit, especially mid range pull-ups, uh, sh- should be a fine enough pull up shooter, and yeah, I mean, just a lot of confidence in like we've talked about the three level scoring. He is going to be a really positive slasher and finisher with just all of his tools. There, he's going to be someone who's who's going to be able to have that floater game is is going to be reliable for him day one. He's going to be able to hit mid range pull ups, going to be able to shoot from three with some versatility, and just that three level scoring floor. Through that story, gives him a certain floor, and that is median. You assume, I mean, there's a little bit of passing, um, maybe not as good of a passer as he could be. Um, a little bit of passing improvement, defense, like I said, sh- sh- should be should be as solid as he can get for a six foot three guard. So yeah, just someone get like Cole playing off a jumbo creator, and yeah, and and for Cole, it comes down to the shooting for me, just being really confident in his pull up shooting, 
and just yeah having a lot of confidence in in that skill being there and even if it's not elite elite i think it i think at the median it's probably pretty good um which just opens up his his entire offensive repertoire um makes makes driving easier is going to make passing easier for him and is just going to be um an all-around better better time for Anthony. yeah i mean and the other guy that i have in this tier is isaac okoro um who I think, you know, at, at his median, really high level defender, probably not quite, you know, an all defense level, but but very good. Uh, and I mean, I think that gives him definitely an impact floor that's pretty high. Uh, and then offensively, I think at his median is a very good slasher, you know, can kind of play as like a small big man. Um, I'm curious, what do you think like Isaac Okoro at his median is as a shooter? Yeah, that was where I, that, that that was what I thought about a lot, and I also have Coro in this tier. I actually haven't said my tier, so I can say that after this little thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll answer your question first and be like, I, I, my answer is good enough to to open up the rest of his game enough to make it valuable. So I don't think he's like like at his median, he's going to be a guy who is like someone who's not bad enough that scouting reports completely ignore who defenses are going to close out to on like on instinct alone like he's not going to be a guy that you never close out to and even if he's a guy that maybe you might be better off giving up a spot up i think defenses are going to respect his his shot enough to to the point where he's useful as a passer useful as a slasher is going to draw a ton of fouls is, is going to get to the free throw line a lot um, and again, defense, even if he's not like a monster stock guy, he's going to be a guy who kind of like we saw at Auburn is going to be able to just take guys out of the game with, with his point of attack and his just like clingy off ball defense. I mean, but yeah, I think at his median, I mean, I mean, his shooting ceiling probably isn't that high anyways. I mean, but I, I think if, if his shooting ceiling is like passable spot up wing, his, his shooting median is probably somewhere like just just good enough to where he's not a total liability in that in that regard yeah i mean like also for inclusion in this tier for me like the positive rotation idea comes into mind where like isaac okoro playing in a second unit like is a pretty overwhelming physical presence to the point where like he could just like play on the ball a fair amount and like dominate as a slasher and then probably shut down whoever like the main bench creator on the other team is, and he would be a pretty useful rotation player. And then can like in certain, in certain scenarios, definitely, you know, slot in as, as like a useful starter. Um, but I, I think, yeah, a guy that, that like has some role versatility um, and just ha- has like an impact floor brought by that defense that I think is pretty solid. Uh, and I mean, like, like I've said in the past, I mean, I think like we've both said that, that, you know, he, he's definitely underrated as a slasher. He just has a lot of skill in that respect. Um, he's made huge strides as a handler. Yeah. Like he, he is fairly explosive. And then just as a finisher, he's you know really ridiculous with his strength and, and touch and balance. Um, uh, oh, there was, there was something else I wanted to mention that I'm kind of blanking on right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think for – I don't know about for you, but for, for me, Okoro does actually fall a couple spots in this. He falls from five to seven, uh, remains in, in the same – in the second tier in both my normal board and this one. Um, and that's, I think, a reflection of something that I think, again, is is a little counterintuitive, that, that I, I definitely view Okoro as more of an upside play 
than I think the average uh, you know draft analyst does. Um, I, I think definitely a little less safe on account of the fact that he, he could be a pretty bad offensive player. And I just probably higher on on his offensive upside as opposed to others. He, he falls from seven to eight for me. So really not much change for my for my board. And then yeah. for my last guy, I, I had one more guy in tier four, in my second tier. My second tier was Cole, was because I had Lamelo and Vassell in my first tier. I had Cole Anthony, Tyrus Maxey, Accor. And then my last guy was Kyra Lewis, who I'm who I think. I'm like the perception of Lewis seems to be as like this really upsidey guy with with his burst. When I think I look at him in this exercise as a guy who I have a lot of confidence in to provide value as like a secondary guard, or like a second or third guard on offense. But like we talked about, he's going to be monstrous attacking closeouts with his acceleration. Um, going to generate a lot of rim pressure. Um, going to shoot spot ups at, at a competent level, even if at, at his me and he's he's he doesn't hit the level of pull up shooting where he's viable as a lead guard, or as like a full time lead guard. I think he is going to be. Easily a good enough spot-up shooter to, to add a lot of value off the ball there. And someone who maybe should be able to, to shoot the pole occasionally. And someone who, I mean, again, at, at his median isn't really going to be a special, even close to a special pick-and-roll creator. Someone who can run a pick-and-roll every once in a while, who, whose passing hopefully improves a, enough to the point where he, adds, he, he can add some more value there on the ball. And then defensively, again, going to be limited by his size and his frame, but someone who is who should be solid as a team defender and solid as a point of attack defender, even if even if a slight negative, just just because of his size and his position. And again, Kyra was another one I wavered on the end of this tier or the beginning of the next year. But I think like he definitely falls towards like like the plus rotation, as I could really see him being a guy who who adds value next to next to a jumbo creator in the same way that Cole and Maxi do, but not as intensely next to a jumbo creator, and also someone who can succeed on the ball against second units with his speed and. Hopefully, some some craft in the pick and roll improvement, and some pull up improvement as he as he develops, and just being as young as he is, giving him giving him room for that. Yeah, I feel like we should probably just move on to the next tier because I have Kyra first in my next tier, um, yeah. ranked at, actually at the same number as you. I'm, I I have now pulled up your board. This is the first time I'm looking at it, and we both have Kyra ranked ninth on this. Uh, we just I I came down on him in the next tier, and you had him yeah. in the second tier. Um, and I mean, yeah, my evaluation of him is is pretty damn similar to yours, where buy him less as like an upside gamble, more as just a pretty solid plus rotation guy. But the, I think the reason that I put him in this, the third tier as opposed to the second, and my third tier is just labeled plus rotation as opposed to starter slash plus rotation, is because I think if Kyra's a starter, he's probably a very low end one, uh, probably like like really not ideal for your your contention hopes if he's your starter. Um, so I, I, I came down on him as, as more of a plus rotation guy. But yeah, say, same idea where I think that, you know, definitely has has utility, you know, as a, as a pick and roll player, as a guy who could create pace. Um, another one who's, who's a really underrated point of attack defender. Um, but just, yeah, I mean, like, I think a, a guy who I think evens out as, as a nice rotation player, but just with his decision-making deficiencies, uh, just it, how much of a one-position player he is, uh, at least on the defensive end, um, just I, I think not not quite to the level of confidence that I have in the other guys. Um, 
as as really plus players. Um, I sh- sh- should we go through our third tiers? Yeah. So going through our third tiers, are we both have the same guy at uh, ten and eleven? The same guys at ten and eleven uh, in James Wiseman and Patrick Williams, and then I have Obi Toppin, Tyrese Halliburton, Denny Avdia, Xavier Tillman, Desmond Bain, and Grant Riller. And again, for me, this is uh, like plus rotation players. Who do you have yours, Ben? So mine is like, again, like plus rotation, spot starter, pretty similar concept. I have those same guys in a different order. Um, I, I have Wiseman, Patrick Williams, Xavier Tillman, Obi Toppin, Desmond Bain, Danny Avdia, Tyrese Halliburton, Grant Riller. And I've added, I, I also have Josh Green and Alexi Pokusevsky in this tier. So, at least okay. so I mean, on Wiseman and Pat, I think our thinking is probably very similar seeing them as well, well Wiseman as like a you know pretty high minutes regular season guy who's pretty solid offers a lot of team building constraints very difficult in the in the playoffs but just a, a, as a guy who who is like you know pretty positive in, in his value in the regular season um but probably in an ideal team construction wouldn't be your starter just because of the you know uh obligations that come with that and expectations yeah. yeah i think wiseman is one of the guys if not the guy for me in this class with the narrowest margin between floor and ceiling i think there's not a ton of room for up or downside with him really i think this this kind of plus rotation spot starter like like even though we have this at his median and his high end is maybe like a probably not even plus starter i mean at least not in the postseason. Um, this is pretty sound to where he is. I mean, yeah, like Matt, like we said so many times on the show, just a guy who is going to be a fine regular season big man. Someone is going to be able to start against certain teams and going to have a lot of success against certain teams. I'm going to be someone who succeeds in the second unit. I mean, yeah, so like pretty basic, kind of like pretty safe, like not a lot of FOMO with Wiseman. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm a little... I think there's a bit of a wider range than you do. Uh, I think on the low end, especially after now, so he last played in November, and I, w- I mean, we didn't talk about this at the beginning, but um, with you know the NBA, the tentative start date for the 2020-2021 season is December one, which isn't going to happen. But that would mean that Wiseman is going over a year without playing basketball, and this is already a guy who's a very low field player. Um, so. I mean, with his with his size being seven one with a nine three and a half standing reach, like I I don't think he, I it's hard to envision him completely flaming out, but I could definitely see a world where he's really really bad. Um, yeah, just because if if the feel level is that low and and just it's really concerning that the thing that he's had to improve is feel and he hasn't had the one thing that you need to do that which is on court reps. So yeah, I, don't know. I, I think the range is a bit wider. And I think like in the regular season, I could definitely see him being like a pretty, pretty plus starter um, as opposed to, to just, um, you know, a kind of like middling rotation guy or like plus rotation guy. But I think at his, at his median, he's like, he's like a, he's a useful rotation guy. He's like, he's someone who's nice yeah. to have, but, but yeah, you know, definitely not someone you want to build around. Fairly simple. Not somebody nice to have, not somebody you want to be paying number one pick kind of money to, but. That's a different yeah. issue. I mean, moving on to Pat Williams, the guy we both have 11th. Um, just, I don't know. I'm very confident in him as an interior defender. Um, I think at his median, he shoots spot ups just fine. Uh, 
that sounds like a nice rotational four to me. Uh, I like, I, I like his body as a four, um, you know, I, I think just fits, fits like comfortably into that role as a guy you'd, you'd want in a rotation. Um, you know, not, not much yeah. more, not, not like a, not a starting level player, but, but a guy who, who's useful doesn't really take much away on either end. Yeah. And part of my thought was, I mean, hoping, I mean, at Pat's high end, you hope that he can really make those, some of those passing and handling and pull up shooting flashes a part of his game consistently. But I think it is median. I, I mean, if he can really improve even one of those offensive at, off, offensive skills and make them useful, um, I think that goes a long way to making him uh, like, like, like a positive guy you want in your rotation. And especially against second units where his size and potential skill developments can be overwhelming against bench player against against bench players were as a starter and against better lineups and with better with better rosters he's pretty much relegated to being a spot up off ball guy which he's gonna do fine i mean with his like 86 odd free throws confident shooting spot ups pull-ups this year but as someone playing against bench units hopefully someone who can handle more of an on-ball load a little bit and then defense agreed with you i mean just someone who i have a lot of confidence as like an interior defending four even if he never figures out the the perimeter movement to the degree that he hopefully could i mean he's going to protect the rim he, he, he's going to be a val- like a useful team defender he's going to have a lot of energy on that end so, i mean just again like a, a, another positive rotation player with a good with a good degree of versatility yeah i mean i think a pat williams who who like you know achieves a low end outcome as a as a perimeter defender where he's just like pretty flammable on the perimeter is still like a valuable defender just because of the interior stuff like it, like that's that's like a piece you want to have um and i mean it's certainly certainly not someone who's like you know really factoring into maybe your best lineups but just like a, a cog who can who can fit in when it works and i, I think that's something that's valuable to have um so yeah, yeah I mean, being so young and yeah. already good at so many things and so physically developed. I mean, there's just too many indicators to really like too many indicators for me to be that low on his median outcome here. So. Yeah. So next I've got Obi. Um, and I like Obi to me is kind of the small range of outcomes guy where like, I'm confident he's going to be a good offensive player. I'm pretty skeptical. He's going to be a great one. Uh, and I mean, he's obviously not going to be a bad one. Um, and then I'm confident he's going to be a bad defender. Um, so, I mean, I just think that he's, you know, an offensive rotation big will be a good offensive player. Not, not amazing. Um, I guess like at the high end, what he's like a very ridiculous shooter, um, and can really like facilitate out of the post, I guess. And like, I guess is what probably a non-disastrous center defender somehow. Um, but I mean, I think no matter what, he presents so many team building issues that you're never looking at him as like a plus starter type. He's really more on that that spot starter idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just like, I think I'm fairly confident in OB as like a, a moderately useful rotation guy and also fairly confident in, um, you know, him not being much more or less than that. Yeah, I mean, I could actually envision lower-end offensive outcomes with Obi than you, I think. Just because, I mean, considering his offensive context at Dayton was so perfect, and he was put in position to to maximize his abilities at all times, thinking if he's, especially if he's drafted top five high, he's put into a team that doesn't have a creative offensive scheme, that isn't willing to to maximize his his abilities with motion and, and and things like that and he's someone who's thrust into a high leverage creation kind of role i think he could definitely perform worse on offense and have that negatively impact his trajectory especially considering he's so old for 
for being a sophomore. I mean, yeah, I, I, mean I mean, again, someone who's going to be a good, like a good offensive player, probably. But I could see, I I could see the low end there. I mean, like, but to, to counter team. that, like, what are the odds that Obi is a bad role man? Probably, I mean, he's like, going to be a fine role man. Like he, yeah. the odds, no, but I think he's going to be yeah. a good role man. And like at the yeah. like absolute worst case scenario, if he's thrust into some role where he's like getting a lot of post ups and failing miserably because his center of gravity is at his neck, um, like <laughs> if, if that's what happens, he can all you can always just default to using Obi as a role man, and he's going to be a positive offensive player. Yeah. Like because like I'd be stunned if he's not a good role man. Because he's, yeah. I mean, he's so vertically explosive, and I mean, he, he like he is such a, he's such a skilled finisher. Like, yeah, he can I, pass. I, I, yeah, and he can, and he can pass. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I mean, like, yeah, I mean I think, splitting hairs here. He's probably going to be a like a good offensive player, especially against second units where some of the self creation stuff is probably going to be more viable. Yeah, I mean, I I would just yeah. be I'd be stunned if he's not like at least a good offensive player. Um, and whether or not you want to really invest in like an offensive big man rotation player, I don't particularly, um, you know, that that's your prerogative, but like, I don't know. I think Obi is an NBA player, uh, like, like I think probably good enough on offense that he has some value. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, the defense is always going to hold him back. And the question is, I mean, like, how could you, how good do you think the defense really is at the median? Cause I mean, I think it's it's the floor is low. Yeah, I think at the median defense is like passable enough on the interior and very very bad on the perimeter. Yeah, I mean that that's pretty much where I'm at. I mean, which again is not a very good defender. Probably not even maybe a neutral defensive center. No, uh, I I don't I don't I, think neutral defensive. That. But but like yeah. on against second units like whatever like you you can yeah. live with it he was like pretty dynamic offensive player like you, i don't know you like there there are some you know bad big men in nba right oh now. yeah like i yeah, i think i think ob will be like an okay one um yeah. should we move on to your next guy who i have a little bit lower but yes this year in xavier tillman which is kind of funny that, that you're yeah. the one who has i was gonna say i was gonna say this this is normally the other way around with max be, with max being the one crushing on Xavier Tillman but yeah I mean I just have a like a, I, I think like the important the important thing to talk about here is the jumper because that's really the facilitator of his ceiling and I mean I, I mean at his median kind of like similar to Okoro I think he's a guy who is gonna be just good enough as a shooter to to really open the rest of his offensive skills I mean and as we talked about before Xavier Tillman is a spectacularly skilled offensive big man I mean he can really dribble not just in a straight line but in in different directions he's a spectacular passer great vision off the short roll can pass off can pass on the move for his size and and is a spectacular finisher with his strength i think at his median i think he's a pretty bad offensive player to be honest like like i i think that you know he'll maybe shoot corner or like he'll, he'll take open corner threes at his median but like not really hit them at a very high level like definitely won't be a major threat um, I mean, yeah, the handling is nice, but like, how much does that really matter? Uh, especially, especially if you're not trying like enthusiastic closeouts, um, and just lack of explosion, just kind of muting his impact as a, as a role man even. Um, so I think at his median, pretty bad offensive player. I think he'll always be a good defensive player, but you know, at his median, I think maybe the lack of vertical comes into play a bit and he's not, you know, not reaching the 
you know, impact that he's capable of at a, you know, highest outcomes, but still, still good on that end. And that's why I've got him in this tier. I just have him uh, down at 15. Um, so I'm still, I'm still confident in Tillman as a long-term, as like a, as a positive rotation player for a long time in the yeah. NBA, but just less confident in the offense, I think. Um, but I, I feel like it, it's kind of like the, yeah. like, like the Grant Williams thing where it's like, don't be overconfident in a guy who's got a kind of weird offensive projection as a big man surviving in the league. Yeah. Um, that end. Yeah, I mean, as we saw with, I mean, like, point with Grant, I mean, he was just a spot-up guy, and it wasn't great. I think with Tillman, if he's someone who's used as, like, a bench DHO operator, someone who can work as a hub and, like, actually dribble a little bit and and, and make something out of that at his size, I, that's where I kind of see the offensive value, especially in that role. I, I, yeah, again, as a starter, probably not someone who's getting, definitely not going to be a good offensive player without the shot. And, again, that's why I had him in this tier and, and, and not the next one. Or not the higher one, but yeah. I, mean, I, I my question would just be like, how many big men come off the bench and are like, you know, really operating? Yeah. As, as like I, I mean, problem. yeah, I mean, not many, but I do think Tillman is one that could do it if a team decides yeah. to do it for him. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I, I like, I think we probably have fairly similar expectations. I'm just definitely a little lower on on right, the, yeah. the offense. Right, so uh, my next guy, so, yeah, go, go go my next guy who we both had in this tier, I think, is Desmond Bain, mm-hmm. who we're both pretty high on. And again, just someone who at his median, uh, just a positive role player, a positive rotation wing, is someone I'm pretty confident. I mean, he's going to be a good shooter at his floor. I think. Quite, I mean, the, the question is like, how good of an off-dribble shooter is he going to be? With which is which is going to determine his ceiling. But I think he's going to be a good spot-up shooter. Going to shoot off movement. Should have some off-dribble capability. And then if he's shooting off movement, maybe maybe it is median. He still has quite a quite a bit of struggle as a slasher. Someone who's really not able to, someone whose who's handle and lack of burst limits his ability to get to the rim and finish and draw fouls. But someone who should be able to pass a little bit as a secondary off of the ball and uh, and use that shooting gravity to to take advantage of the advantages he creates. And then defensively, someone who should be a fine enough defender as a wing smart, smart team defender, not the greatest on the ball and has, and has the short arms, which is going to hurt him, hurt his rim protection, but strong, smart, going to be a good shooter can pass the ball. I think pretty safe bet, even if he doesn't reach a high end outcome to be like, like like a guy who you want in a rotation. Yeah. I feel like Bain is, is one of the guys I'm most confident in as a rotation player. Um, so he's 16 for me, which is a jump up from 24 on my normal board. Um, just like, yeah, really, I think really tight range of outcomes for him at the median, uh, probably less creation equity, just doesn't have any rim pressure, continues to play pretty soft. And maybe that and the lack of wingspan hurts him a lot defensively. And he's more of like a one, two defender really can't like guard any wings. Um, but just, I mean, the baseline offered by being smart, by being capable of shooting off the dribble, off move, or off the catch, um, the the like creation ability that he has, or, or not necessarily creation ability, but just like the decision making ability that he has, it's just it's all the ingredients of like an NBA off guard. Um, and he, I mean, he's another guy that I'm just I'm very confident in him as, yeah. as like a rotation player. Maybe tra- like tending more toward neutral than positive, which is kind of why he's closer to the end of this tier for me. But I, I, I would just 
my expectation is that he will be an NBA rotation player. Yeah, I just have enough confidence in the size plus shooting plus other skills, basically. I yeah. Mean, it's just like how to... Yeah, I mean, should we let's move on to I have Halliburton thirteenth, which is I think rising a couple spots. Yeah, rising two spots from my normal board. Um, this was kind of a tough one for me because I I again I think he's a guy with like a a pretty small range where like no matter what he's kind of in that connecting role and it, it was kind of tough for me to figure out between Halliburton and, and Denny who I wanted higher but I think I'm just more confident in Halliburton as a shooter uh and that giving him as a, a like a floor really as a rotation player where like he's he's reliable enough as a spot-up shooter that he he will be in a rotation and be pretty plus just with his intelligence um but yeah, I'm, I that that was a tough one for me. I'd be curious to hear what your what your thought process was on. Yeah, top. I had him. I, I I mean, speaking of Denny, and we'll get to Denny. I had the back to back with with Denny yeah. a spot ahead. Um, and then I, a, a couple spots lower. Halliburton actually lowered on as compared to my main board from from fifteen to sixteen one spot. Um, just because I, I at this stage my worry is really the defense where he's gonna be like. Like like he's gonna get stocks and he's gonna like like make impressive event creation plays, which is important. But like just like like probably his like uh, his strength isn't improved that much. Still gonna be a disaster at the point of attack. Not gonna be able to really do much against screens, and that really just limits how plus rotation guy he can be. And again, I just still at this median level, I worry about. I worry about the pull-up shooting not really being there to command enough gravity. He's going to have, yes, the passing and the shooting. The spot-up shooting is going to be good. Obviously, the passing is brilliant. But the question is, how much can you really make of that? If I, I, I mean, if teams just run him off the line and force him to pass, I, I don't think it is median. He's going to be at a place where he can really punish passive defenses who play him really passive like that and, and aren't aggressive stopping his score trying to stop his scoring, which is just a worry for me. I mean, I, I, I mean, again, he, he's going to be a rotation player because of his, his intelligence and his shooting and some of the event creation, which is, again, why I have him in this plus rotation spot starter tier. But yeah, just the, the defense is the main thing that, I, that really turns me off to him being higher in this tier. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, listening to you speak about that, I feel like I kind of should have changed my tiers like neutral to positive rotation because I think a lot of these guys – uh, definitely in like the back half of this tier for me, trend uh, more toward that sort of neutral uh, rotation expectation. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything you said on Halliburton. I think that like you definitely can keep him from defending on the ball that much, and that will help to, to you know, mitigate issues and will definitely enable him to make use of the the playmaking ability he has. Um, but yeah, just like not not thinking that the I mean, I don't think the offensive ceiling is that high in general, but just definitely at the median, like it's probably pretty limited impact we're talking about. Um, But I I mean, I just think that's also a representation of the the role we expect him to fill, like that linking role. I mean, like listen listen to our our philosophical debates with with PD when we we talked about that. Like, I I just don't think it's that valuable of a role. Um, But I I mean, I think Halberton fits it well and, and like, I again, I'd be I'd be surprised if he's if he's not a rotation player. Yes. So, 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 so move on to Denny, who I had one spot 
of ahead of Halliburton pretty much for the same, for that same reason, which is defense. Because I mean, I'm pr- pretty confident Danny's going to be a good team defender. I mean, at his meeting, I think he could be a quite good team defender. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, he's going to be a rim protector. I, I mean, at his size, he's gonna, he should be able to play a little on the perimeter. Um, gonna make good rotations, and that's basically my thing for having him a little bit ahead, even if the shooting. I think hopefully should be a spot up past like a guy who, who you can, like maybe like not not someone you really want to close out to, but someone who's maybe at like thirty three ish, thirty four percent on meh volume i mean and again like that's gonna that's gonna help his passing and help his his slashing but i mean again someone i have on this tier because of real offensive worries about not being super sold on whatever that shooting ends up being and then once he i mean not being super sold on his actual slashing and creation ability because he can definitely finish his strength at the rim, but can he actually get there and create for himself and make use of his passing in more than really like transition? Because because he's going to have lots of transition value, and against second units, maybe the the strength and size if he puts it on can be overwhelming. But I mean, just someone who's close to Halliburton for me, who firmly in this like guy who's probably going to be a solid rotation player no matter like no matter what. I mean, unless the shot really flames out. So. I put Denny behind Halliburton because I think at his median, he's like probably something like a fake shooter where it's like five attempts up per, per 100 in like the low thirties where people really aren't paying attention to him as a shooter. And he, unlike a Coro doesn't have bursts to the point where like he can eat up space. So if you like, you know, if you give him a cushion, he's not eating up space the way that a Coro is and then finishing through three bodies. Like he's not doing that. So for him, I think it is really detrimental offensively. And then defensively, I think is where my main concern lies where at the median, I think you see, you see Denny running into a lot of issues with his body. Um, because like, yeah, like so much of his value in uh with Maccabi came on the defensive end because he's such a brilliant team defender but he is pretty skinny and lacking in in reach and vertical and that's very concerning to me for someone who is relying on you know team de- defense to produce so much of his value because I just don't know if that is really going to translate at, at you know the level that it needs to for him to be a really plus rotation player but I mean the intelligence, the transition playmaking that I think we'll see from him. Uh, just, I, I mean, I think he will be a good team defender, just not a super high impact one. Uh, so I think at his median, he's like a, you know, fine player, you know, he's, he's in a rotation. Um, but I, Halliburton, I'm a little more comfortable in, in him definitely as an, as an offensive player at the median. And I think I'm like, I'm just le- less concerned about like, I, it, it's kind of weird because like, Halliburton, I have obviously more concerns about his defense than Denny's, but like I just don't think the magnitude of Denny's defensive impact is necessarily that high if he's just hitting like a sort of middling outcome. Um, and I think that like like he's more reliant on the defensive outcome being high end than Halliburton is, and and that's a concern to me. Right. So, so I'm pretty sure the last guy that we both had in this tier was Grant Riller, I think. Yeah, Grant Riller's last guy we both had in this tier, who, again, I mean, is just with his scoring ability and his overall offensive package at his median is probably not someone who's going to be able to start because, I mean, in order to be like a point guard, initiator, starter, you have to be really high level good. And if Riller isn't that, 
he's probably relegated to like a bench guard, but even as like a sixth man bench microwave type, he's probably going to be very good at that given this package. But again, I mean, this is tr- the bottom of this tier again, like trending more towards like less of a plus rotation, someone who, and less of a spot starter, someone who's really just going to be a, like a flat rotation piece. Cause I, I mean, even if Riller at his median isn't a super high level pull-up shooter is going to, is going to be able to get to the rim and finish and maybe isn't the highest level passer. Um, I mean, is someone who, again, is going to generate value with his rim pressure and his ability to put up points uh, against bench units, but someone who doesn't likely bring starter value without that pull-up and passing and and those things requisite of starting level initiators. Yeah, I'm generally, like, really out on the bench scorer, like, spark plug idea. Like, I have no interest in, like, the Jalen Harris's of the world. Um, but... I think Riller is like probably the rare one of those where he would actually be really valuable. Like, like he could be a pretty nuclear off the bench offensive player. Um, I mean, the reason, the reason I've got him, you know, like fairly high as someone who, uh, who doesn't love drafting sort of backup point guards is that I think he definitely has a chance to, you know, be a, a starter uh, because I mean, he just has such overwhelming skills in his burst and driving ability um and, and i mean even even the shot making uh but i think yeah, yeah. Like even even at, at his median like grant riller is such a good offensive player that he like genuinely has value as a rotation player as, as your creator off the bench whereas i think that like the average guy who who people bill as like you know the six-man spark plug like really won't provide any value in that like they're they're not that good of an offensive creator and have no other skills, but Riller I think is like actually that good of a creator yeah. that that he'll have he'll have value in that role that I think it's pretty hard to generate value in. Yeah, and that's why I have Riller like at the top of my third tier, like just outside the lottery on my actual board, and just dropping a little bit on this board because he really does have those high end outcomes in in the realm of possibility, despite the inherent challenges of the archetype that he is. Um, as like a microwave score, but he's such a gifted offensive player that the, the, the chance is really there. And again, like he, he could be a guy that shreds the like bench units who just aren't as competent defensively. Yeah. I mean, there, there's just like, there's a big difference between being a guy who can like get a bucket. Like, I don't know. There's a big difference between like Alonzo Trier and Lou Williams. Like <laughs> Lou Williams is such a good <laughs> offensive player that he has, like very genuine positive value at, as a sixth man, but like just some random guy who who is like another one of those college guards who can get a bucket. Like there are so many of those guys. Yeah, but the like, ones the ones who are genuinely like supernova offensive players, despite their other limitations, have have value and like are pretty coveted yeah. in the league. And I think Riller is definitely closer to that end of the spectrum than like just another of the. Jalen Harris, Miles Powell. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right, so I think we should get to the the last two guys who are definitely more towards the neutral rotation, but have that positive rotation ceiling for me. And that's Josh Green and Alexi Pokaseski. Mm-hmm. So I'll talk about those guys quickly. So, so for Green, as we talked about here, I as we talked about on the show before, the, the big thing with him is the shot. How confident are we in the shot? How good is the shot? I think it is medium the spot up is good enough to where 
he can he can really take advantage of the passing, which I mean I've, I I'm still pretty confident in, in his ability to pass the ball as an ancillary player if the shot is there and if he can attack closeouts. I mean I, I, I mean as much as he's probably always going to be limited as a slasher and a finisher with his I mean lack of a left hand. Um, still not super physical, doesn't really get into guys and, and create finishing angles. But someone who I think is with shooting and passing is going to add offensive value as like a mover connector type. And then defensively, someone who I think is going to be quite good at his uh, at his median, someone who's going to be impactful both both on and off the ball. So, But again, someone who very hinges on the shot there from being at the bottom of this tier and the top of next tier. And then Pokuseski, who I think is... Probably at his median, gonna be a gonna be a good shooter or a fine enough shooter to where he's shooting a lot of threes and he's, he's adding value in that way. And then someone who is gonna be a great passer in transition and should be able to make some passes in the half court and even maybe dribble a little bit in the half court. Um, even though he's gonna have struggles finishing and as a big man still. And defensively, someone who hopefully can iron out some of his kinks and is going to be a, a, a positive team defender as a rim protector, even if he's weak and, and, and technically bad and is probably always going to struggle as a primary interior defender. Again, someone who I think has has enough size and utility to be a, a, like a solid rotation player. Yeah, so Green is at the end of my next tier, and Pogoshevsky is at the end of the tier after that for me. Uh, so Green, confident in him as a defensive player, definitely a plus defensive player. I think at his median, he's really a pretty bad offensive player um, because I don't really buy the shot. I think that like another another fake shooter type, probably like maybe higher, high a little bit higher percentage than Denny, but still I think a shooter that people will ignore and just such a such a putrid finisher because of his lack of right hand or or left hand rather. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I, I just I think at his median green is a really terrible offensive player. Um, but like so in in my next tier, he's in the, the neutral to negative rotation player um tier. So I yeah, I, I think that that's probably the difference. I think our our defensive evaluation of him is probably very similar, but I I I don't buy him very much as an offensive player. Like I I, I like his his upside as like a dribble pass shoot um offensive wing, and that's why I've I've you know, gotten fairly high, but he also just on my normal board checks in at a point where everyone is bad. Um, and he has an actual NBA skill in, in his defensive ability. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm less in on, on green. Uh, Pogoshevsky, I think at his median is definitely plus on volume, but minus on efficiency, uh, from three, probably plus on, on versatility as well. Uh, so just like yeah, there is value in a guy who who bombs, but you do still need to make shots uh, to to generate value. Um, and then I think defensively at his median, I think he's a pretty fake stocks guy. Honestly, like he'll he'll still have the playmaking, but on a possession to possession basis, I think you'll see the issues that you see now of you know having no idea how to how to you know get into a stance or and slide like uh, of just like not putting forth the effort he needs to put forth of being so so soft on the interior um so i think i think like honestly like at at his median he's like you know maybe like has some value but it's just like a guy coaches probably hate to play because of just his lackadaisical approach and and the way that he'll he'll bomb on offense without actually making that many shots even if they're like mathematically like kind of good um and then i think just the possession to possession defense i think is really gonna bother 
coaches just because you know the, the flash plays will be nice and and you know he'll probably be overrated by defensive metrics because of that if I had to guess. Um, yeah. And you know, and people looking at his basketball reference page will always think like, why isn't this guy playing more? But I I think at his median, uh, the the defense is pretty fake and and the shooting is like a lot better in theory than it is in practice. Once again, we are splitting this episode into two parts. Uh, on Wednesday, we will have part two of our median outcome board discussions, finishing up our final tiers, honorable mentions, and our catching eye guys as usual. Make sure to follow the pod on Twitter at prep number two pro pod. Ben, you can follow me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. You can follow Max on Twitter at Max A. Carlin. Uh, that's all we have for you today. Have a nice day. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.